We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley, and I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. And Ross, we are going to be talking about some guys that this is going to be a little bit out of your depth today, I know, and Ross has been studying all week to get caught up on some of these prospects. But Ross, we're going to talk about some of the North Dakota State kids um, that are in this year's draft class. Do you have any takes on these guys? Interesting. Uh, where is that? I think that's uh, in Canada. <laughs> no, I think I'll be all right. Yeah, uh, same. Uh, this will be a fun one. And these are guys that, honestly, we've probably already talked about already. Uh, but it'll be fun to talk a little bit about Trey Lance because, obviously, someone that the Packers are not going to be targeting this in this year's draft class. Right. You would, one, one would assume, <laughs> at least, they won't be targeting. Um, but, Ross, before we do that, it is it is Mock Draft Monday. And we typically, you know, we typically drop a pod on Tuesday. So this is a little bit different for us. Um, Andy and Ben had a little bit of a scheduling conflict. So we got to jump in and, and take their Monday show. So we're going to take full advantage of it and go through a little Mock Draft Monday and what Ross and I have each done is we have done our, our own mock draft, right? So we have a list that we would do. 
if we were sitting in that GM chair for Green Bay. And what, how we'll do this, Ross, is we'll just run through the picks. Uh, I know you and I both have some trades in there, so we'll just kind of explain as we go through it. Uh, we'll give you the pick. We'll give you a little uh, an, uh, analysis on it. Thumbs up, thumbs down from uh, you or I, and then we'll move on. Um, but we'll go ahead and get started. Ross, I know I actually I stayed pat at 29, and I made the pick. And I talked, and I took one of the kids that we're going to be talking about today, and that's Dylan Radens, the, the tackle guard center out of North Dakota State. Uh, I don't want to get too much into detail about this because we'll talk about him in a second and just how he would fit with Green Bay. Um, but I think that's I think that's his range, right? I think that's about when you start talking about Rado going. Uh, I could see him going anywhere from there to probably middle of the second round. Um, Ross, pick 29, Dylan Radunce, that's the pick. How do you feel about that? I think you'd have to be thrilled. Um, you know, so like with the Packers, uh, here's what I'll say you know you have, right? Uh, you have the best left tackle in football. You have another all pro level offensive lineman basically and this is why it makes him so valuable basically and and maybe not at right tackle maybe we don't know but we pretty much know that Elton Jenkins can be an all pro level player at left guard center and right guard so you know you have two elite players on the offensive line and then i think you know that you have a league average player at right guard or right tackle in Billy Turner i think you know i mean Look, last year he was above average. There have been years that he's been below average. But I I really think you know you have just an average starter. And that's a great starting point for any offensive line, in my opinion. Two elite players and an average starter, um, you're you're already in great shape. And that's not to uh, disrespect John Runyon Jr., who I think is going to be a player. Um, It's certainly not to disrespect Lucas Patrick, who I would like to see stick at center with his short arms and short stature. I just think they should leave him the hell alone and just let him be a center. But in in general, I I think you know you have three things, a league average starter in Turner and two elite players. And Rado really does give you a ton of flexibility after that. You try him out at right tackle. Okay, he's six foot five, three oh four. He's not big enough to play right tackle. He's not holding up at right tackle. I think you've got a, a Pro Bowl level center there. I, I think his athleticism, his ability, his toughness, his understanding of the game of football. I think his ability to climb to the second level on wide zone concepts, um, and, and really, I think he would he would dominate at the center position. It's something that um, you know. I, I know I've, I've been friends with now Vanderbilt offensive line coach uh, AJ Blazik for a couple of years now. I know they repped him at center in practice so that the practice film was available for NFL teams because they felt like he could be a center at the next level. That's how deep this goes. I know he got center reps and guard reps in the senior bowl. He's just going to be an above average to good uh, player at basically any spot. And if you're one of those people that are thinking, well, uh, you know, and I'm not, you know, I've, I've been on record a number of times saying that, uh, an ACL injury is now an eight-and-a-half to nine-month injury. I fully expect we're going to have a lot of David Bakhtiari this season, um, if not the entire season. If I'm wrong about that, that's fine. I think you 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 go into the season thinking you're going to start the first four or five games with Rado at left tackle. Ultimately, you're going to be fine. I don't think he'll end up there. Obviously, they wouldn't have just given Bakhtiari 
you know, at that time, the richest contract ever for an offensive lineman. Like, Bach's not moving to guard. Bach's not playing right tackle. <laughs> Bach's the left tackle. But Rado can cover up a ton of different spots for you. Yeah, that, those are kind of my thoughts exactly. And we'll dive deeper in on him in just a moment here. But, Ross, who did you uh, take or what did you do at pick 29? Yeah, so uh, somebody came in. I'd have to look at the the draft order. Somebody came in and said, uh, we'll give you 21 for 29 and 92. It's kind of funny because, you know, that obviously would have been the pick last year to go up and get Justin Jefferson, I believe. And uh, so that's a little bit ironic. But at the same time, I said, no, I was good. I I didn't, and the other unfortunate part is I used the Draft Network's draft simulator, and once you're offered a trade, you can't actually see the board until you decide to decline or accept the trade. Just a little bug, if any of our TDN buddies are are, are listening, folks, that's got to get fixed. I need to be able to see the board if I'm going to decide on a trade. It's a very cool... it, it, it's a very cool feature. It's cool when the little phone rings and you have a trade offer in front of you. I mean, that's all cool, but I got to be able to see who I'm, who I'm wanting to draft. And uh, just in general, um, this, uh, this is a year that the Packers don't have a lot of money to spend in free agency. They need as many bites as the, at the Apple as they can get here. And just jettisoning a third-round pick to me, um, I, in my opinion, I think I need a player in the third round that's going to play this year and help us. Um, if I'm Brian Gutekunst, so I'm not. I'm not just sending that pick away for 21. Then I was, you know, super surprised. And uh, full disclosure, I think the uh, the draft network has both uh, Aziz Ajilari and I know they for sure have Jalen Phillips ahead of Quiddy Pay. I don't. Um, but the only two edges that went before I picked were Phillips and Ojolari. So there I am with my ninth overall player available at number 29. I sprint up to the podium and I take Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay, which, uh, man, I would give you two thumbs up for that. And I know some people would probably say, what in the heck? They took another edge player. Uh, but yeah, man, when you look at the tools that that guy possesses, you look at what they did with Rashawn Gary two years ago, it's the same deal, right? Same deal. We say, hey, we're going to bet on this guy's athleticism. We got guys in front of him um, that we think can or, or will be dominant players. And now one of those players is Rashawn Gary, the guy that they did this with. Um, so yeah, I could see them doing that again if he falls. And the thing with this year's edge class, Ross, as we were talking about this, and it's like, do you think this could happen. Do you think uh, do you think Quiddy Pay could drop? And, and the answer is probably not. But but they're but not as much as as other guys. You know, not as much as other guys in the past, especially at that edge position. Because I think there's four or five guys that people like. You know, and so you never know. It, while while their things have happened, I don't think it's too outlandish to say that like that's never going to happen. So um, while, while unlikely, if he's there. I think you absolutely have to pull the trigger on that. So uh, that's what. You and, get. and for me on that on that front too, like here's the deal, folks. For better or for worse, Green Bay does not have a lot of options up the middle. I know Kingsley Kiki is a good player. Um, Kenny Clark's a good player, but more often than not, they're going to have um, Zadarius Smith rushing from inside. I mean, that's whether you believe they're going to go to this bear front, uh, eagle front, whatever you want to call the the front that. Um, that that Staley and Barry used last year, which is kind of an extension of the Fangio defense. It, even if you believe that, like Zadarius Smith is just not going to rush 450 snaps off the edge this year. It, it, it's just not going to happen. So 
they're not as deep on the outside as you might think. Um, Gary's been hurt in the past. You you never know what you're getting out of Preston. Um, you know, you hope you get good Preston, but if there's another regression from Preston Smith, he's basically a replacement level football player. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it did, that would be the case. And then all of a sudden you're down to, you know, spider Garvin and, and my guy, Tipa Gallier, and you're in trouble. Um, plus folks, a lot of the times, and this is what people don't understand is the Packers are one of these teams that do a great job of drafting for the next year, this year. So they've got sophomores trying to deal with their problems instead of freshmen. And I can pretty much guarantee you one of Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith are not going to be on the roster in 2022. I mean, that, that, that I can, that I can pretty much tell you. So uh, don't, don't be, you know, thrown off in a huge way. If you see an edge fly off the board for green Bay early. Yep. Um, Completely agree. Moving on. So you went Quiddy Pay round one. I went Dylan Radance. Uh, so pick 62, I went ahead and made the pick there as well. No moving around for me just yet. And I took Afitu Melafanwu, the cornerback out of Syracuse at 62. Um, I think he's probably going to be gone before there, but you meant <laughs> who knows. Uh, so the thing is with him, um, I don't love him. You know, I do not love him as a prospect, but I, I, I'm in like with him. I really like him as a prospect. And I think with him, when you want to say, okay, the Packers are going to run a lot of cover two, cover four, you know, that's some of that match zone type stuff. Sure. Can he do that? Yeah, I think he can. I think he can come in and be an above average corner for this team. And we were talking about, you know, just hitting singles, hitting singles in the draft. And I think that's what this would be for the Packers. Uh, I think he can come in and play early if they allow him to do um, kind of what he's good at. And that's something I think with Kevin King, they didn't always uh, let him do. But uh, Melifonu is a guy that can tackle. He'll come up and hit. Uh, he's got the athleticism to you know, kind of have some of that upside that you like. I think he's got a little bit of stiffness to his game. But if I'm not asking him to play a ton of man coverage, I'm not sure I care that much. Um, so I pick 62. I go with Melifon Wu. That rhymed because I'm a rapper. Ross, who did you uh, who did you take at 62? Again, I'd have to uh, I'd have to look at the um, I'd have to look at the deal here, the draft order. But I was I was offered and I had a specific target here. Um, I was offered the 55th pick for 62, 135, and a sixth, and I got pick 140 back. So I moved back five spots in the fourth to move up seven spots in the second. And that six-round pick, um, I just wasn't doing – A, I don't really care. I think at the, by the time a six-round comes along, you might as well just get a UDFA. With the way the Packers draft, the UDFA probably would have you know been their guy anyway. Um, the UDFAs make the team. I'm not super concerned about sixth and seventh-round picks more often than not with every team. But obviously with the Packers, the fifth-rounders are the guys making the noise. Um, and then once you get after that, it really does get – to be a pretty dark place. So I I was told. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging. So you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Really cool with this uh, trade, and I, and I took our guy, our boy, our son, De'Ami Brown. Um, you know, just does – super athlete – and does a number of things well. Can stretch uh, the field, obviously, but also is able to threaten the intermediate area. Um, it actually runs pretty pretty good slant routes as well, you know, on the short area. Um, but I, I'm taking him to be a more consistent deep threat, um, a different kind of wide receiver. Do you have a great Do you have a great Diami comp? I mean, wh- what do you see? Uh, with him when, when actually in the KC draft guy, I comped him to Adam Thielen. Just a guy oh, that's that, interesting. Sure, that I think can play in the slot, but also outside um, is is an extremely dangerous deep threat from the slot, um, and then can kind of add some different elements, you know, from the intermediate to short passing game as well. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more with a Credit Karma Money Spend account. You can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, anyway, I, I mean, that's that's a kind of guy, and and I I get that, and I actually believe honestly in the in the MVS ascendance. Um, I think he's going to make it actually, but I love the Diami Brown package um, as a guy to really step into a stardom role and potentially you know be one of those top targets for the Jordan Love era if that does come about as well. Um, so I really like that value and it was worth, you know, moving back. I don't really care about moving back five spots in the fourth round anyway. And um, I was happy to send that six round pick um, because that's, it's a guy I wasn't expecting to contribute anyway. And, and maybe the guy I wanted in the sixth round is available UDFA. Yeah. And you don't even need to ask me about that one. I will stand for Diami Brown all day long. Um, I would love that. Would absolutely love that if the Packers are able to somehow get them into their into their organization. Uh, moving on, round three. So I I went with Radunce, round one, Nelafanmu, round two. And at pick 92, I'm going to go ahead and get Jamar Johnson, the safety out of Indiana, who I believe he – I think he's kind of that the late riser at the safety class this year. And there's always kind of one of those guys I feel like. I mean, Darnell Savage was kind of that guy – 
when the Packers yeah. picked him, you know, he was kind of a guy that people thought, oh, second, you know, second round, third round. Um, and then as we got closer to the draft, we kind of, you know, I think the media caught up with how the NFL viewed him. So Jamar Johnson, I think, you know, who may not be there at 92, um, but he was in this particular simulation. So I went ahead and took him. So you got Melifonu to play on the outside at 62. Now you got Jamar Johnson, who can probably, you know, he's kind of in that mold of, you know, is he a slot? Is he a safety? Is he both? Um, kind of similar to Darnell Savage, where you can say, hey, if we want to play him just, you know, as that, you know, quarters safety or whatever, we can move Savage up to the slot and let him play closer to the line of scrimmage. Or we can do that with Jamar, you know, Jamar Johnson if we are comfortable with where we're at with Darnell Savage on the back end. So um, Jamar Johnson's kind of in the mold of, I would say, you know, the the Rig, Holland, Jamar Johnson, those types of guys that you're going to add them to a defense and they're just going to add another layer of versatility to the back end of your defense. So I would be thrilled with getting Jamar Johnson at 92. Ross, how would you feel about Jamar Johnson? Pick 92, third round. Uh, I like him. You know, um, I, I, that's a little steep for me. I hadn't watched a ton of him. Um, he was in my initial top 100, or excuse me, top 300. But then I saw like where Mike Renner's <laughs> number was on him, and, and he was crazy. Uh, I've got that guy in the um, like 150 region, you know, so he's more of a fourth or fifth round guy for me. But I don't hate it and, and wouldn't hate it. And obviously, I, I have tremendous amount of respect um, for Renner. So I, I, I certainly will continue um, to watch Johnson and, and and see what I think. There's not a ton. And, and with safeties, it's tough. You know, a, a lot of it happens outside the broadcast cam. So I got to keep trying to get my hands on Indiana all 22. Um, but he's, you know, smooth is the word that Mike used. And um I don't value a lot more uh, from the safety position than than being fluid. You know, range is a big deal, but eyes and and fluidity are huge at that spot. Have you watched any of the Ohio State All Twenty Two on him? I have. That's that's where you need to start. And, that's and the game. Kind of, okay. That's kind of what was told to me with like, wow, because same boat. Like people are high on this kid, and you go watch <laughs> the game. Yeah. And uh, you see why and you see like if that's if that's the best version of Jamar Johnson, then I'd have no problem with him in the top 100. The the issue with him, though, is like you said, it is going to be consistency, you know, with any of these young guys. But um, but yeah, that's that's the tape. And if you remember, I mean, that's that's the game that Indiana gave Ohio State and Justin Fields all types of fits. And a lot of that was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did to Jamar. So um, I think he's he's a super interesting guy. But Ross, what uh, what did you do with round three? Went with Tay Gowan, uh, my guy, and and that's he's a he's a honestly he's a flag guy for me. Um, I think he was outside the top two hundred for TDN's consensus big board, and he's just a guy that I have right around like 76th overall, something like that. Um, when we drop the draft series, uh, that's somebody that Eric and I talk about that we're both high on. Everybody talks about Aaron Robinson, the nickel, that outside corner Tay Gowan. He's no slouch himself. Um, I think he's going to be he's going to test well if he hasn't already. He looks like a good athlete on tape. Uh, he's fluid, and it's something like I see a lot with even Greg Newsom, where uh, some corners you get excited because they've got a lot of catch up speed, and then some corners don't allow a ton of separation to begin with. So the te- the catch up speed isn't always you know super necessary, and that's 
where I like Tay Gowan. He's got that stickiness to him. Uh, everybody remembers Sam's sticky shields. Like Tay Gowan is never really that far away from the guy that he's guarding, and you just have to respect that that ability to to swivel your hips and that ability to twitch and and to stay um, with your man. And that's what really has impressed me uh, with Gowan is that fluidity, that smoothness. Um, I just I think he's a starting corner in the NFL, and you know, has a chance to be an average or above average one. And that's worth the top 100 pick to me all day long. So um, I've, I've taken pay uh, Brown and Gowan. One could be argued is a luxury pick. I would, again, like I said, argue, look at the 2022 roster and then tell me an edge is a, is a luxury pick. But um, then I, I definitely have hit two needs here with wide receiver and corner. Yeah. And now, okay. So we're out of the, out of the top 100 now. So let's, let's speed this up a little bit. Sure. Um, pick, uh, so where are we? I'm at, so I, this is, this is actually where I traded. Uh, there was a guy, uh, sliding that I was like, man, he's, he's one of the last guys I see on the board for me that I want to move up at a position that I think would be valuable to the Packers. And that's Jameen Davis, the linebacker out of Kingsburg. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, Mel Kuyper loves this dude. He's got, he had him like at 14 in his last draft. And I don't know, I don't know if Mel's got an agent in his pocket or what. I think that's very rich for him. Um, but when you talk about a kid that is still figuring it out, you know, one year starter at Kentucky, he is a, a elite freakazoid athlete. We're talking about like 99th percentile athlete of the linebacker position. Um, the best way I think I can describe him to Packers fans is Oren Burks, if he were good at football. And like, because he has that type of coverage ability and the athleticism to basically stick with slot type receivers and running backs and tight ends. I mean, this guy saw, this guy saw, saw Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony in the SEC and he held his own and he's only getting better. So I think if you can grab a guy like that at 111, I think that would add a lot of excitement and a lot of juice to the middle of the middle of the field of this defense, which we know Ross is an issue. So uh, Jamin Davis, I thought he was worth giving up, and I, I mean, I, I didn't give up nothing to go up and get him. I gave up, I gave up my other two fourth round picks, so one thirty five and one forty two to move up to one eleven. Nice, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I ended up, like I said, moving back from one thirty five to one forty. So one forty, one forty two. I'm going needs again uh, with uh, Osa O from UCLA, the interior defensive lineman. Um, I, I really like his game. I think I have him at the uh, number 101. There he is on my top 300, 101. So obviously 39 spots, you know, behind where I would be comfortable taking him. And he's one of those guys um, at 6'2", 280 that I talk about when I'm talking about penetrators. I need more of these short defensive tackles that can get up field. I need a Michael Brockers. I need an Aaron Donald. I no longer need a six foot six, uh, you know, with 38 inch arms, five tech. That's not what we're doing in Green Bay anymore. There's no more, you know, playing zero, five and five and jacking up your tackle and, and, and looking, you know, both, both ways and two gapping. That's, it's not happening anymore. It's the Staley, Barry, Fangio system, we are going upfield. Think Akeem Hicks. Stop stop thinking, uh, you know, I, I can't think of a, you know, uh, Justin Smith. No, don't think about Justin Smith. Think about Akeem Hicks. We're, we're going up the field. And so, uh, you know, or, or, or even any of the guys that have done such an excellent job at five in, in Pittsburgh, like a Cam Hayward. That's, you know, short, stocky, 
up the field. And that's what Osa is to me. And then a guy that honestly, it's kind of crazy at 142, uh, Walker Little, if you went back in time to uh, like way, quote unquote, way too early mock drafts, you saw Walker Little in the top 10 of all of them. You know, the, the, the mocks that came out immediately after the 2020 draft, um, Walker Little was all over. And he's a super athlete, comes from a good program at Stanford. Um, I think he, he has all the ability in the world to be a swing tackle in this league. Uh, I, I had absolutely no issue with him at 142. I was really excited to take him. Yeah, that's that's your that's the definition of a lottery pick, Tick. You know, I mean, like, he's oh, for a sure, it's a huge swing. Yeah, yeah it's a huge swing. swing. He he could be a he could be a top ten tackle in this league in the next three years. Um, he could also be terrible. <laughs> you know, so, terrible. Um, yeah. That's the I mean, it's not the case for anyone. It's the draft, man. <laughs> like, right. so it's wild. But um, all right, so but like I, from a traits perspective, like, okay, I'm oh, good yeah. with. I am very good with using a fourth round pick on this kid's traits. Oh yeah, give Stenovich a, a guy, just a ball of clay like that. I I would take that bet. You know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, you know, give up on a guy like that with with Stenovich as your, right. your O line coach. So absolutely. And so speaking of Stanford guys with traits, um, I don't pick again till one seventy three. Um, I'm just going to package these two guys together because uh, I kept my one seventy three and one seventy eight, both my fifth round picks, and I just went and doubled down at the wide receiver position. Um, a guy that I think, you know, when you look at Packers wide receivers in this draft class, I look at. Uh, Simi Fahoko, the wide receiver out of Stanford, and I watch him and I see uh, discount DK Metcalf. You know, you see a guy that is just massive, that has just incredible state, straight line speed, uh, plays big, plays big boy football, uh, blocks, blocks his butt off on the outside. Um, you know, it, it, when you get him to Green Bay, what, do I want him to run a bunch of intermediate in-breaking routes and comebacks? No, I don't because I don't think he does that stuff well. Uh, but put him in a position to uh, play vertical and go get the ball and get the ball in his hands on some of those, you know, tunnel screens and uh, watch him go to work. Uh, he he could be a good player. He's a little bit older, but uh, I think he has the traits that Green Bay loves. And then 178 went with another wide receiver, Shai Smith out of South Carolina, someone that I think Packers fans are very familiar with. Uh, he's someone that's kind of been mentioned as a potential fit for Green Bay for a while. Um, he is not necessarily the traits guy, but he's kind of just one of those guys that does everything well. Um, and I think he would find a, a way onto this roster and be kind of one of those pre-motion snap type guys uh, and be able to play, you know, he's probably a slot guy, but I think he can do a lot of stuff, line up in the backfield, do all that type of, you know, type of stuff. I think he's a smart player. I think he'll be able to get into the rotation quickly. Um, so with the fifth round picks, there are my two wide receivers. Ross, I'm glad you grabbed an interior defensive lineman with one of your picks because I sure as heck didn't get one this entire draft class because that group sucks. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so I think Green Bay is going to kind of have to stand pat, especially at this point. Like I like uh, I like the kid you took, but man, if if you miss out on some of those guys, it's it's ooh, tough sledding. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Good luck, one. But yeah, uh, it's, so it's a lot of. IDL is a lot of guys that do one thing well, you know, very few well-rounded players in this class. No question about it. And someone argue that there are guys that are going to get drafted in the mid rounds that don't do anything well <laughs> and are kind of just there. And and that's sort of this class. Uh, so I ended up with Kerry Vincent, which I don't think is super likely, but um, TDN doesn't love him. That's a corner out of LSU. Uh, I just, I, I, I love adding more than one corner. 
Um, Vincent versus Gowan versus Holman versus Jackson versus King is a really, really healthy um, is, is, is I think a really, really healthy competition and is ultimately going to result in the best possible uh, combination of, of football players um, to come out there. And, and I think he's really got some ver- some versatility Um you know, potentially, I think he could be a nickel if they absolutely needed to uh, add to that room's competition as well. And then um, I'll miss Raven Green a lot. I'll, he he followed me on Twitter like right away because I was an FCS guy and I appreciated him for that. But Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech is going to be like Raven Green on steroids, kids. Like this kid as a special teamer and as a sub linebacker. I like him a lot. And 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 Divine is probably going to be a guy that moves up my list. Um right now he's at 156 for me. And I took him at 178. So obviously I felt like he was a tremendous value, but he might be moving into that like 120, 130 range because I really can pick like a specific thing in the NFL that he'll be good at, and that gives him value. Yep, and uh, he's got maybe one of the coolest names in the draft class. Oh yeah, for sure, El yeah. Diablo. Whenever he makes a play, it would be a lot of fun. But uh, but so I'm going to wrap up my. I got three picks left. You should probably have about the same. Uh, so two fourteen, two twenty, two fifty six. At two fourteen, I took John Bates, the tight end out of Boise State. Um, I think he is Tommy Tremble White. Uh, he is a guy that will kick your ass in the run game. Um, maybe has some juice in the passing game, but honestly, at pick 214, I'm taking him because I think he's going to be a really nice special teams player and potentially someone uh, that can do some of the things that Big Dog does if you know he ever slows down or, or whatever. He just adds a different um, dimension to this offense that I think some of the other tight ends wouldn't have. Uh, 220, Puka Williams Jr., the halfback out of Kansas. Uh, and I don't really – I mean, running back, slot type guy – He's a weapon. Kind of think of him in that Irvin-type role. Fun fact about Puka, he does not have any toes on his right foot, which is wild. Uh, but he's uh, he's a really explosive, smaller-type back with good hands, uh, kind of buried in Kansas because that program is absolute uh, trash. But he's very good. He's a good player. Um, and then lastly, I took Jalen Moore, the tackle out of Western Michigan. He does not check all the boxes for Green Bay as far as athletics, you know, his RAS is in the mid sevens, which is good. You know, that's that's an above average NFL athlete. But the Packers typically tend to stick to those guys at the eight and nine range. But um, at 256, I'm not as concerned about that. I'm, I'm basing this more off of I thought he had a really good week at the senior bowl. Um, that he held his own with some of the best seniors in the country. So if he's staring me in the face at pick 256, I have no issues um, with starting my draft with the tackle and ending it with one. Ross, uh, who did you wrap your draft up with? I did not wrap up my draft. The draft is five rounds long. Oh, you went? <laughs> I, literally. I'm not joking. I don't have any more picks. <laughs> uh, that's actually a take that I don't disagree with. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but those okay, – so let's just say – let's say uh, Bates, Puka, and Jalen Moore are, are three guys that I would target on day three or as UDFAs sure. because that's basically what it is. Um, so – uh, Ross, we're going to move on then. So those are our mocks uh, for this you know month of April, you know coming at us fast and furious. But we're going to talk about three of 
the North Dakota State kids. Obviously, we touched on on Rado a little bit already, but um, we haven't really had a, gotten a chance to talk about Trey Lance. And obviously, the Packers. You know, it would take some type of divine, weird scenario that probably involves Jordan Love not being on the roster next year for the Packers to end up with Trey yeah. Lance, which would be – I mean, it's just – it's not going to happen. You know, but, yeah. Ross, talk, yep. talk to us about Trey Lance, you know, someone that you've been around covering the Bison, um, young kid. You know, he's 20 years old right now. Um, what, what about him – has you so dead set on the fact that he's just, he's not going to fail in the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, like, I want to just be upfront with everyone. This is not a unbiased take. I've known Trey since he was 17. We covered his recruitment. Um, For those of you that don't know, just get this out of the way too. Like not, not everybody knows exactly what I do. So for those of you that, that are, you know, downloaded this podcast you listen to the beginning we joked about me not knowing north dakota state kids i'm from fargo uh my dad played football for north dakota state for a little bit i actually was going to walk onto the golf program there got injured ended up playing at a division three school right across the river um but have supported north dakota state athletics and now um published bison report for cbs sports 24 7 sports and that's how i got my foot in the door to take over the packer site to take over packer report um so I, I, I've been Bison Report since its inception, and we covered Trey's recruitment. Um, I've I've known Trey. I've gotten to know his parents, Carlton and Angie. Um, Trey actually, I did a story on him about his custom sneakers and his love for sneakers and sneaker culture. Um, he painted a custom pair of Jordan 1s for me that I still have in my house that are phenomenal. Um, he and I have had conversations about things outside of football, this is a young man whose success I am highly invested in and who I believe in. And so any takes that I have, I'll just be honest with everybody, like they're not unbiased. <laughs> this is not a this is not straight shooting. Um, but I still believe everything I'm saying. And uh, the young man, the human being that this kid is, he's a face of a franchise kid. You know, he just he his will to win, his will to be great is potentially matched by his athleticism and his arm and what's between his ears. And that's crazy because this is just a phenomenal human being and a phenomenal young man. Um, I am completely in belief that this kid's going to make it. Uh, it just, he's going to make it. And um, like I said, his tools don't hurt him either. I think he's got the strongest arm in the last two classes, if not further back. Um, I'm guessing that if he actually would have run, he would have, scared the shit out of some people with his 40 time and just go look at the GPS data from the FCS championship game against James Madison. It would have been the seventh highest speed in the league at any position last year. This kid has feet. I I think honestly, it's not that far from Lamar Jackson feet, Um, a rocket arm. And he already, I think honestly comes into the league with more polish um, as a passer than Jackson did. I'm not saying that he's going to be a league MVP, I'm also not saying he's not. And and I know that sounds crazy, but like I'm I'm not saying that Trey Lance I will not say that Trey Lance won't be an MVP uh, or at least have an MVP season. He's just that gifted. Like there there's not a huge hole in his game. Yes, I would like to see him be a little bit more accurate um with with some of the intermediate stuff and some of the shorter stuff. Uh, but but he does everything else. I mean, rocket arm, velocity, ball placement is good, 
absolutely respects the shit out of the football. He will not turn that football over. Um, absolutely refuses to do so. And then when when things break down, by the way, he's an A plus 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 athlete, and he'll just make the play with his feet anyway. So, um, yeah, that's they're just like yes, like I said, they're I'm not going to sit here and and be Homer McHomer and tell you that he does everything perfectly because I I would like you know to to have seen a little bit more from him in an experience standpoint, which a lot of that isn't his fault. He should have been coming out after this year, after another 16 FCS games, including a game at Oregon. We didn't get to see that. That sucks. But as far as what he brings to the table, his ability to fit the ball into spaces, his ability to protect the football, his ability to ability to push the ball down the field to make NFL throws, both from a normal platform and from extending the play, it's it's just it's unmatched. Even I I mean he has a way better arm, not way, but he has a better arm than Lawrence. Like there's no question about that. And the kids, he's just gonna make it. He is going to make it. It and what's I think with Trey, and let me be clear too, <laughs> like uh, I I'm interested in his success because if you go to my Twitter profile right now and look at my pinned tweet two years ago. Uh, before Trey had even played a snap for the Bison, I said he was a potential first-round draft pick. Just based off of what I was hearing um, from people like you, Ross, um, from other people that are around that team, just kind of one of those kids that like, why the hell are you here? You know, just from the get from Jump Street, like, what are you doing here, man? There's no reason you should be here. Um, and just with the way the Bison have been able to develop quarterbacks. I mean, they got, they'll have three guys in the league. That's, that's not nothing. You know, that, that's actually incredibly impressive. I don't know. And I don't know how many college programs. There aren't a lot of schools. Yeah. Yeah, There are not a lot of schools. Carson Easton, Easton sticks still, you know, He'll probably never be a starter, but man, he he has a chance to be a, a player in this league. I mean, there's ninety there's ninety six jobs, and honestly, it's probably more like seventy five. Yeah, yep. With the amount of teams that actually carry three QBs, not being that many. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Ross, before we move on from Trey, because I I want to get your take on this because you've probably watched more North Dakota State football than anyone on draft Twitter, right? Uh, I would the uh, guys, guys that are probably going to take that want to take Trey Lance. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to get your take on what is what type of, you know, what are the reins, I guess, that that Trey has within that offense? Is it something that things are predetermined for him? Is is he a oh, guy God, no. making pre-snap reads or uh, just walk us through basically um, what he's asked to do on a play in play out basis? I mean, I don't think he has as much control as like senior Easton Stick and senior Carson Wentz did just because he was a freshman. But by the end of that season, I mean, they, they'll have multiple plays called. He'll be calling out protections. Um, he he would, again, like I said, have, have multiple options. He is getting them in the correct run play, uh, getting them in the correct pass play. And a lot of that is happening at the line of scrimmage. This is – people don't understand. North Dakota State football, people think about run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. With shift trade in motion and the things that they do pre-snap, there are very, very few college offenses more like a pro offense than North Dakota State. Um, and 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 coaches will tell you that. Gruden will tell you that. I mean, folks that have been around North Dakota State quarterbacks coming out of college understand that 
their system is a pro system. As many times as they attempt to run the football, it's still a pro system in almost every way. And Lance had a hugely long leash, especially at the end, to get them into the right protection, to get them into the right play and go. And and he just had a tremendous amount uh, of, of stuff on his plate. And, and I'll do you one better on that intro to that bit, too. I would pretty much wager to tell you that I've seen more North Dakota State film than any human being that isn't on a Missouri Valley, Missouri Valley football conference staff. <laughs> so uh, you're going to you're going to uh, you're going to consolidate or not consolidate. You're going to counsel uh, the 49ers on what to do with that number three pick. And you will have a very, <laughs> very clear answer. <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I have. I I have such mixed feelings. Like the last thing that I want is the 49ers to be really, really good for the next 10 years, but it's probably the best thing for everybody involved. Yep. I, I, I'm with you right there in lockstep. And I knew the answer to that question, Ross, before I asked it. And that, and I wanted to get your take on it just because I have seen people say like, well, Trey Lance played at North Dakota State. He's playing in, you know, an offense without, you know, it's not a very complex offense because it's FCS. And if you hear someone say that, one, it's not true, and two, they're telling on themselves because they haven't watched him or they just don't know much about football. So um, it, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there with as far as – Oh, they're, they're telling themselves – they're telling on themselves in a huge way. There is a lot, a lot that, that goes on in North Dakota State's offense. A-gap power and G might be in there uh, uh, quite a few times. But the different formations that you can run that stuff out of and all the superhero package when they basically, by the way, folks, invented that damn RB uh, multiple verts thing. And mm-hmm. uh, that's all over the NFL. I mean, this is a innovative system as much as everyone might think it's a three and a half yards in a cloud of dirt type deal. There's actually there's an article out there. and I believe it's Andy Reid who does that really well in Kansas City. And he will uh, give credit to North Dakota State. Verbal. Yeah, well, this is where he stole the shit from. Yeah, this is, this is where I got it from. Yeah, like, this is, it, they were doing it. Exactly. It now. Um, so yeah. it's it's not just, hey, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. It was honestly, folks, it was basically Carson Wentz and the, the current uh, offensive coordinator at, at uh, Wyoming, Tim Polisek, who just left as the offensive line coach at Iowa. And at the time, he was the OC and Carson Wentz was the quarterback, and they kind of cooked that deal up. It's uh, – it's a pretty sick, sick concept that that got its uh, start in Fargo. Yep, and that's a uh, Anthony Sherman special, the sausage. Um, but so moving on from that, uh, Trey Lance, who is you know we're we're just talking about a guy who potentially is going to be a 49er. That's that's as Packers fans, that's basically what you need to know about Trey Lance is the fact that you know he may live. If that pick, if that, I, I just tell you this, folks, and I, I mean this seriously, I, I actually really believe in Justin Fields a lot. I've got Trey um, uh, in this class, and I might move Pitts somewhere around there, but I got Trevor Lawrence number one, Trey Lance number three, and Justin Fields number four. If that pick for the Niners is Zach Wilson or Mac Jones, just just start running hysterically laps around your living room in excitement. I I don't think either of them are trash, but Fields and Lance are on a different plane. That's what I was just going to say is if it's if it's Trey or if it's Fields, like those guys may live in our nightmares (laughs) Um, because that that is terrifying. And I just can't imagine it would be anyone but them. 
Um, but if Kai, if Shani wants to go ahead and take Mac Jones, it, it would be weird because I, I do want Trey to be successful, but I would love it if he was successful like in the AFC. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone we don't have to see. Um, but moving, moving on, uh, we, talk, we talked about Radons already, and I think – uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it because you basically hit Ross on, on what I had talked about with with Dylan Radon's the tackle out of North Dakota State. Yeah. Um, he he is a guy that I think he, if Green Bay takes him, like I picked him at 29, I'm taking him with the idea of he fills a potential short-term need and a potential long-term need as well because, hey, if if Bach isn't ready, whatever, he can play tackle, You know, Turner can play one of the two, he'll play the other, we'll be fine. Um, he he can you know kick in the center and and honestly I, I'm not ju- and I'm, I'm not trying to be biased when I say this because there's a reason Radunce is going to go higher than Corey Lindsley did when, in his draft class. Radunce has the potential to be a better center than Corey Lindsley ever was in Green Bay, and that is an All Pro center I'm talking about because of the type of athleticism that Dylan Radunce has and the type of length that he has um, that Corey Lindsley just you know quite frankly never did have. Um, and I think if you put if you put Rado inside uh, with Elton next to him, you keep him at guard, and we're talking about combo blocks. We're talking about which one of these guys do you want to be the point man in the outside zone scheme because either one of them can do it at an extremely high level. Um, so I think you, you talked about your starting points with okay, you have an All Pro left tackle, you have an All Pro guard, and you add, you just potentially added another All Pro center. Um, and a guy that can kick out and play tackle if you're in a pinch as well. Um, we know the Packers value versatility. We know they value athleticism. We know they value that crazy. Yeah, he's a freak. Time. And I, I don't know if people know that, that but he's, he's a freak. Yeah, no, I think if you go look at his RAS, I think he's in the 90th percentile, right? Um, so 94th, yeah. 94th percentile. So he's so, the real deal.com. Yep. yep. And so what, what – I mean, if he's there – and, and and I'll admit to things kind of have to fall a certain way for me to want to pick him. Um, like Mo Rig was off the board, all the corners I liked were off the board. Um, so if Rado's sitting there staring at me at 29, it's just kind of one of those things, Ross. We're like, yep, okay, cool, take him, take him. We just got a stud, awesome. Maybe not at like the biggest position of need, but he's going to make our football team better. Um, so uh, that that's who I think he is as a football player. Um, and moving on. So this, so the last guy that we're going to talk about, we're going to cheat a little bit, Ross, because, uh, he did play for, uh, the Tigers, go Tigers, uh, the last year of his career in LSU. But Jabril Cox to me is through and through a bison, right? He was born and bred or, I mean, he was, he was raised in the FCS streets of Fargo, um, and you know, just went on and played with the big boys in the SEC and, and more than held his own. Um, but talk to me a little bit about Jabril Cox and talk to me about Jabril Cox in the sense of what would he add to this Packers team? Would he be drafted by Green Bay? Yeah. Um, let me tell you what, folks, like Jabril is everything that you guys have been wanting in a Packers linebacker for like the last 10 years and 10 might be underselling it. Um, he he is so gifted in coverage. Um, North Dakota State plays the Sam linebacker position a little different than some. So sometimes Sam is strength of the field, and sometimes Sam is strength of the formation. A lot of people, when they talk about Sam linebackers, they talk about strength of the formation where you have a, a Will who's lined up away from the tight end and a Sam who's on the tight end. That is not how North Dakota State does it. Will and Mike are basically your box linebackers, and Sam is to the strength of the field. He's detached. It is insane to me in a 
watching as much North Dakota State film as I have. And, and as I mentioned, like I guarantee you, I have watched more North Dakota State film than any non-regional scout, maybe maybe regional scouts, but any anybody that isn't on a Valley coaching staff. I would argue that I've, I've probably watched more NDSU football than than anybody else. And the reason I'm trying to qualify this statement is because when I say this, I want you to really understand that I mean it. He was a slot corner. But disagree or agree, Jake? No, he was. Talk, ask, yeah, he, he, ask Kate Johnson from South Dakota State in the yeah, class who was – Who got clamped. <laughs> yeah, who was uh, looking – who's staring him in the eyes uh, when he lined up in the slot. So in all seriousness, well, what I mean by that is strength of the field. So to the field side, Jabril Cox basically played slot corner and manned up others, you know, their, the slot receiver for the other team or detached tight ends. Uh, Dallas Goddard was often in that spot at South Dakota State. Of course, now Cade Johnson, who, by, by the way, got clamped by Jabril in an FCS playoff game, he'll get drafted, Cade Johnson, and he got shut down in coverage by a linebacker. And I'm not talking about a six foot, 208 pound college linebacker. I'm talking about a six foot three, 235 pound beast, who, by the way, I think if he was a defensive end, probably would have averaged between 10 and 12 sacks a season. He has been like that. He has the ability to rush the passer like that. Um, I, I just – my issue with Jabril is the weight and the seat of his pants. I don't want Jabril taking on guards, taking on centers. I think he's kind of a sub-package linebacker at the next level. Um, but if he starts for you, you're great. And 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 when I say sub-package linebacker, people are going to think that I'm being disrespectful. Folks, I have Jabril Cox uh, in my top – let's just make sure I have this exactly right – um, I have Jabril Cox at 42 overall. I have a second-round grade on him. There are very few off-the-ball linebackers that I'm interested in in that way. And for me to have an off-the-ball linebacker in my top 50, it means I think he can affect all three downs. I just don't want him taking on blocks. I think he would be really good in this Fangio Staley system because the way that those four eyes play in that eagle front, they keep the linebackers clean. That's why I think you honestly saw Corey Littleton struggle so much when he got to the Raiders um, and not be the phenomenal player that he was with the Rams. It's because the, the linebackers in this system stay super clean. And that's how I, I want Cox flowing because he is that kind of dude. Plus, um, would give the ability to take that middle of the field pass defense that has been a problem seemingly forever in Green Bay, and it would really shore it up. Um, you know, I don't think he'll be a slot defender in the NFL. But the fact that he was good enough to be a slot defender in college, and honestly, uh, moved away from the slot and into more of a traditional off-ball role at LSU, he was amazing in coverage there as well. I think he had two pick sixes um, and a couple of other interceptions. Like He was a phenomenal coverage linebacker at Louisiana State uh, just in the same exact way that he was a phenomenal coverage linebacker. I shouldn't say same exact way. He was very good at both, but in two totally different ways, which I actually think – um, is a positive in his favor, his ability to um, to affect the game as a slot area defender and affect the game as just a normal off-ball linebacker, I think that's big-time stuff. 
Yeah, I think with Jabril too, it's I took Jameen Davis, the Kentucky kid. I think those two guys um, have a similar skill set uh, when you talk about guys that can run and cover and the, the and you know fluid hips. That the thing with Jabril is he has got uh, man, his length is is incredible. You know, you see you saw it at the Senior Bowl. Uh, when he when he measured in, but you went man, seeing him in person with some of the other top seniors in in the country, he's just built different. I you know I hate that phrase, but like he really he really is built different. He's a lanky dude. Um, I mean, arms dragging on the ground type type of guy. So uh, another kid, what are you doing here? What are you doing at North Dakota State? How did you end up here? Um, and here's a take for you, Ross. You you said you don't want him taking on guards, pulling guards and tackles and stuff like that. I don't want any of my linebackers doing that ever. Yeah, on a I know. Basis, you know, hey, like, maybe Zayvon Collins. <laughs> Zayvon Collins can bought by a five-six <laughs> running back at times too on his tape. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just not a if if we're doing if we're in a scheme that's not allowing my athletic linebackers to run and be athletic, then then don't take them. Don't I don't want those guys on my team. And I think the Packers though they are in a scheme now where it's like we need those guys. That you need the uh, and you talked about. Uh, Littleton, you know, the, the, the linebacker that once he left, it, it wasn't the same. And that's because that scheme was very well um, suited yeah. to his, uh, to his skill set. And I think Jabril is that type of guy, but better, but honestly, but better, you know, so um, would be a lot of fun, would be a lot of fun for this team. You already have kind of the thumpers in uh, Martin and Barnes and to pair them with someone like Jabril would be a, a lot of fun. So Ross, we're at 53 minutes talking talking ball today. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna let the good people, uh, the good listeners of Pack a Day podcast, probably um, get on with their lives. But guys, we appreciate we appreciate you guys listening so much. Uh, you know, you guys checking in every week and, and seeing what's going on in the world of Packers. We are, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. The end of the April is going to be the draft. There'll be a lot going on. Um, around that weekend, a lot of fun stuff we'll have planned. But you know, leading up to that, you want to get all your information. Make sure you're getting it, um, getting it here. You know, following Ross on Twitter at Ross Uglum, uh, Ross Uglum, or myself on Twitter at Jacob Morley. We'll try to keep you guys caught up, keep keep you up to date. Um, like I said, thank you for joining us, and until next time, go pack, go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.